When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody! Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, Destination Debbie is proud to bring to you its Dynasty Tag Team Champions of the World, the McNutted Michael Crystal, the ATM Adam McFerrin, the 4D Chess Podcast. And of course, if you're not down with that, we've got two words for you. Welcome back in, everybody, to another edition of the 4D Chess Dynasty Podcast. This tired, sad voice you're hearing, I'm McNutted. You can find me on Twitter, at Iowa Michael. And, of course, I'm joined always by my co-host, my partner in crime. And, honestly, in the short time that we've known each other and talked to, I can honestly say one of my better friends out there. And I am excited to finally get to meet this man in person. Adam, what's going on tonight, big guy? Mike, man, what's going on? We uh we're back here, 4D. You guys probably saw us this weekend. Some of you guys tuned in. We we had a long marathon of the 22 class draft. We were there in front of you if you wanted to see for the entire thing, and it was it was fun, man. But it it, it was a little bit exhausting towards the end. I was I was beat up at the end, but uh, it was fun. I had a blast. I had a blast doing it. Yeah, it was uh, it was rough being my first day back at work, just with the way schedules worked out. Last Tuesday, I had jury duty. Normal days off were Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, we did the first stream Thursday night, and then of course I took the whole entire weekend off just to finish up the draft extravaganza. And you and I, buddy, man, I know Ray and Jay Rich, and shout out to all the professional streamers out there because after we did it for 17 fucking hours this weekend let's just say i needed a day or two just to to get back in the groove of things and and being off that long from work and now having to wake my ass up at 5 a.m uh, it was a little rough a little rough this morning let's just wake say your that. ass up yeah yeah i definitely needed the uh the coffee the caffeine kicking this morning to help me make it through the day but we are back with another edition of the 4D Chess Dynasty podcast. And forgot to mention, a little rusty. Make sure you're checking out my boy Adam on Twitter at ATM4D Chess. Uh, let's dive into it, man. The, this weekend was was crazy. I had an absolute blast live streaming with the Destination Debbie crew. And then 
you and I on Saturday, we had all kinds of guests. Maddie Kiwum jumped on. Jay Rich stayed for far too long. That man's a fucking trooper. Hopping on our stream for as long as he did. Brandon from Destination W popping in and out. And let's not forget Gene, guest of the 4D Chess Podcast yes. last week. So, I mean, yes. we had it, we had it going seven and a half hours, I think, on day three. The day that nobody wanted to stream, we're out here. We're in it. Let's go. Seven and a half hours. We we at least popped the day off with a with a bang. Isaiah Spiller going to the Chargers for, to start off the day. But let's get into the twenty two class. Let let's let's talk to these guys. Let's go four D. We know that the class did not live up to the hype. Maybe we gave it at one point. But let's let's get into the now and let's discuss what's happening with your rookie drafts, especially at the top. Well, let's be honest. We we thought the class would be salvageable. And it turned into an absolute dumpster fire of ass cheeks. It's it's horrible. For, for those of you that have tapped into the 4D chess episodes back and forth, but have not come check out our Patreon. Our Patreon is the shit show. And this class turned into a shit show, Mike. Let's let's keep it real. Yeah, it's a it's an absolute shit show. That's that's the best <laughs> way to describe it. Uh, it really sucks when you kick off your inaugural 4D episode talking about how the 22 quarterback class is underrated just to put your foot in your mouth. <laughs> so, but we'll take our else. We'll take our humble else. beginnings. We're gonna learn from it, right, buddy? We're gonna figure out where we where we fucked up yep. and get it right. Uh first thing I wanted to talk to you about. So let's dive into the 22 class and I want to focus on the top. Now Brees Hall, unanimous consensus I don't think there's much of a question in, in any format. He's going first overall, right? It's going to be kind of a weird day, a weird draft if somebody takes something else. But uh, I think it's pretty safe to say we can just say Brees Hall 101 and, and move on with our lives, right? We don't need to discuss that one. I think this is one of those where if it's not Brees Hall at 101, it's just trying to be hot takey. Like you just remove it from – the views, you know, take it off of your page. It's it's just trying to get clicks and it's trying to be hot ticky. It's Brees Hall one on one, no discussions. Yeah. So you and I, uh, we we talked about Thursday night and Friday night and Saturday at nauseum, and then Sunday and Monday we we worked on our our rankings, our rookie rankings, right? And we got those updated. So at two, Adam, who are you going with at two? Who did you put in our rankings as your second player? And and these are let's let's just skip the bullshit and, and get right to it. Our first. Six are identical. So whoever you say is is also mine. It just so happens that's the thing. But who do we got at two? Yeah, the first six for us are exactly the same. But for me at two, Mike, it's Kenneth Walker. There's a lot of reasons why. I know I know there's a lot of chatter about the landing spots and yeah. Seattle and the Seahawks aren't aren't they don't throw the ball to the running back position that much. He also wasn't a guy that caught the ball to the backfield much. But to me, Mike, the prospect was someone I always believed in. He got the draft capital. Right. Early day two draft capital. They're saying they're telling you that he's going to be their guy. Their first round pick. They didn't take a quarterback. They took what? Offensive lineman. Charles Cross. They're building, I think, to establish, establish it. Team establish it. Right, Mike? So for us, I think it's Kenneth Walker at 102. I know there's some other opinions out there, but where are you at with it? Yeah, it's Kenny Walker. It's. I'm not going to say it's it's not close because there's a guy that we have at three, which I think you can make a strong argument for as well. Uh, I would say kind of the consensus out there, and, and Adam, I know we, we said it probably on Saturday when we were asked about it, and we've said it in the Discord a couple times. We wouldn't fight you if you took Drake London. No. Spoiler alert, I'm going to fight you. 
I'm gonna fight you, and that's what, what that's what we're we're gonna fight. We're gonna fight people on this one. But at three, three Kenny Pickett, right, and, and four Drake London. Yeah. So I would say right now with with what I looked into today and what we're gonna do the show about and what I'm gonna tell you and the Dynasty Degenerates out there about is why I think one, two, three need to be Brees Hall at one, and then two, three toss up between Pickett and Kenny Walker. So pick your Kenny, pick a Kenny, pick your Kenny two and three need to be Kenny Ken- Walker. Kenny powers. So for us, I know one of the things that went into it. So subjectively we tend to favor running backs and quarterbacks over wide receivers, right? That's our strategy and how we draft, but this is coming from a subjective viewpoint. We're not looking at numbers or anything like that. This is, this is our feel kind of our process, how we like to do things. So I think that's what went into like when people would ask, like, would you take Drake London too? And I'm like, nah, not for me, but I'm not going to fight you. Yeah. Yep. Adam, I spent today looking at numbers. (laughs) That's what I did. I'm a, I'm a data nerd now, I guess, but this is going to be a big shout out for those of you who aren't aware Jordan Backus, uh, two episodes ago, came on the podcast, head of analytics at Destination Debbie. Big shout out to him. Uh, make sure that you're signing up for the Patreon over there, patreon.com forward slash all gas, because this is where I'm getting my information from, right? The numbers. And Jordan does some incredible work. And once I started diving into it today and looking at a few things, Adam, I'm going to kind of uh, shit all over Drake London at 102. And it's not because I don't like Drake London. Uh, you, you know for a while now like you and i were kind of in disagreement about wide receiver one in this class right you kind of like garrett wills i mean they're all they're all close right i'm not we're not talking a big massive difference but right for a long time adam i've had drake london as wide receiver one in the class and i think going wide receiver one in the nfl kind of solidifies it now yeah this this a lot of this comes from ray me and me tapped into what ray ray does but i've had my my love strings have been attached to Drake London since about January. So yes, yes, and it, like you said, it was close. We were needle differences between yeah. you know him, Garrett Wilson, Traylon Burks, whatever your cup of tea was. But I think now it's pretty consensus for both of us with him going off the board inside the top ten, first overall or first overall receiver off the board. It's it's him as the wide receiver one in the class for us. But get into some of the differences here with him and Pickett and Walker, and, and I think. For me, Mike, the only thing before we get into this, I'll say about taking him at two, the only thing I could even get behind when I, when I would, if I was to say the reason I can see you doing it is just what the market value may be outside of that alone. The things you're going to get into, I'm sure right here, this will tell you why I don't like doing it at two. Well, one of the the subjective things that we have, and and I'm sure I could pull some actual data on it and give you examples, but in our experience, Adam, if a if a running back hits, they're generally if they hit like think like Javante Williams. If they, if they hit, they're going to go at the end of round one and start up the following year, beginning of round two. If a wide receiver hits, they have to hit to the level of Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson to get the same kind of draft capital, right? Like you have to have historic hits at wide receiver position to return the same type of value, right? Because. And- Running backs rule dynasty. Running backs and quarterbacks in the Superflex League rule dynasty. Look at every one of your startups. Like it's, uh, I mean, you, you're going to get maybe a Chase and a Jefferson in the first round. Yeah. The rest of the picks are going to be running backs and quarterbacks. Well, I guarantee it. And, and to, to your point of those three in particular, right? Jefferson, 
Chase, and Javante, when you talk about hitting, what what had to happen for Jefferson and Chase? They had to not just hit. They had to set the record yeah. for the position. Yep. Javante William hitting, Mike, from a production standpoint, didn't even really happen. No, he didn't even. Think about that. that. It, think about that, Dynasty Degenerates. From what he did on a project, production standpoint, he didn't even necessarily hit. Right? Yeah. And he still, Mike, is going early second, late first in startups today. Now, his price may dip a little bit on the news of Melvin Gordon. But as yeah. you as you talked about before, if you were buying Javante simply off of that news, you never deserved him in the first place. So JV has some dope-ass hit tables in the analytics section on Notion there that you can get if you subscribe to the Patreon over at Destination Debbie. So one of the things that we uh, that I'd pulled up, and we'll just start basic and simple, Adam. We're going to talk about hit rates for position by round. So what round the position was drafted in and what the percentage of players drafted in that round actually hit different thresholds for seasons. So top six, top 12, top 24. Okay. Yep. So we'll just start right at the quarterback position. Round one quarterbacks have hit top six seasons at a clip of 32.1%. Okay. So for all the quarterbacks on this, going back to 2004, I believe is when I talked to JB. Yep. 2004. Uh, that's right. Uh, this one, actually, he, he pulled up the generic one. So this one, just the generic hit rates are only going to go back to 2014. So okay. 20, 28 quarterbacks, round one quarterbacks. They hit it 32.1% of them have a top six season in them at some okay. point during their career. Okay. So so of those quarterbacks drafted in the first round since 2014, yep. to, to, to give this to the listener, that means 32% of those quarterbacks have had a top six season in fantasy football. Yes, and 39.3%, so a little bit more, have had a top 12 season. Okay. All right, now we'll move on to the running back position, okay? Running backs, and we're only going to focus on round two running backs because we didn't have any round one running backs. Correct. Which round one running backs, judging off this, are almost like a guaranteed hit. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a gold mine. Yeah. Yeah. So all those of you still out there on Travis Etienne, you're, you're probably lucky. I mean, round one running backs – just to have a top 24 season or 75%. So three out of four. So there's a possibility he's one of the 25%, right? The, but the, he would the be an exception. Yes. So round two running backs, okay? Round two running backs going back to 2014 have a hit rate of 21.1% as a top six finish, okay? 21%, okay. Yep. To have a top 12 season in them, they have a 36.8%. So we'll just say 37% chance of having a top 12 season on them. And a 73.7%, 74% damn near, of being an RB2, a top 24 season. Right. So it's basically, I mean, three out of four chance, they're going to be a running back two at absolute worst. And there's a very good chance that they have running back one seasons in their future. So keep this in mind. Uh, the quarterbacks only go to 12 because, I mean, in reality, a lot of what Scott Connor's saying is like QB2s don't really matter. Right. Now that's up for debate, but we'll just go to top 12, right? Because it's pretty easy for like the Taylor Heineke's of the world to have a top 24 season. And you know what I mean? Like, just Especially like, quarterback two, right? The back end yeah. quarterback twos. Yeah. I, I fully agree. Don't really move the needle. They don't They do not do much. And, right. and those, those upper end QB2s, like, 
the odds are that at some point during their season, they're going to break into the top 12 at some point, right? They're going to, yes, they're going to push for a top six finish at one point. Yep. It, Agreed. The guys who just hit the, the, the QB two, the 24 threshold aren't that enticing. <laughs> right. Yep. The Ryan Fitzpatrick's the Taylor Heineke's insert. Insert, random, bar, insert yeah. barf, you know? Yeah. Yes. They don't do much for you, but <laughs> for the running back position, being an RB two is actually kind of a big deal. Now that just shows their floor. Right, what what their floor is. So they have a very high floor if you're drafting round two for a running back, right? Damn near 75%, 73.7 to be exact. But the ceiling play, 21% to be a top six, pretty good. One out of five. Pretty good. A little yeah. higher. Let's move on to the wide receivers, right? Now, this is what is going to lead off the argument of why I'm taking quarterbacks and running backs over a guy like Drake London. Okay, Let's talk about it, man. Round one wide receivers, Drake London included. Okay, first wide receiver off the board. Top six hit rate, 15.2%. 15.2. So 7%, 6%. Oh, we'll just round down here. 6% lower than a running back drafted in round two, becoming top six at their position. Oof. And at almost half a little more than half of an equivalent quarterback drafted in round one. Meaning that most of these wide receivers drafted in round one are never going to sniff top six. Yeah. I mean, well, it's, yeah, absolutely. So top 12 finishes, a little bit better, 27.3%. Okay. And to be a top 24, their floor, wide receiver two, 48.5. So a relatively decent number, right? One and two. Wide so receivers drafted in round one will have a wide receiver two finish in the cards for them during the career. So, so basically, I mean, slightly rounding up, you you have a one and two chance that they are a top twenty four receiver, their top twenty four player at the position, right? Which, yeah. Then I think the next conversation, and I don't even know if you had something else to discuss, but what is what really does a top twenty four receiver? What does that really value wise? Like how much does that really move the needle? Not Mike? much. No. That's much. the thing, right? We we've talked about it. I think we talked about it during the stream, and I know we've talked about it other other places, right, Adam? Where like wide receiver in Dynasty, anyways, from wide receiver like 14 through like damn near 40 are all just kind of the same dudes, right? They're separated by, you know, in a startup if you think like round five to like round nine. Yeah, this is why I'm always so comfortable in startup drafts, loading up and running backs and quarterbacks early because the wide receiver depth in those rounds, they're all kind of the same guys. So let me just stack a bunch of them. And especially in best ball, like as we transition more and more into best ball. Yeah. Give me that all day. Right. Over spending premium capital on a wide receiver. But it still shows that they have a relatively high floor. Right. So you can safely assume that one out of two wide receivers you take in the first round aren't going to be a complete bust for you. They're not going to be Nikhil Harry or Jalen Rager, right? Right. They may not. They may not be super sexy, but they may get you somewhere between twelve and let's say fifteen fantasy points per game in a standard uh, traditional scoring league. People, yeah. I mean, you're talking the like worst thing. like uh, Devontae Smith currently is valued, right? Like that's yeah, that could be in the cards. Can we agree, though, that the hit rate for their ceiling being top six, like those true difference maker wide receivers, is not very good at 15%? Yeah, I mean, top top six is an elite 
wide receiver. But like you said, you're talking about 15% hit rate to get into that threshold. Go ahead, Mike. What was the top 12 again for the Dynasty Degenerates out there? For the round one wide receivers to be in top 12 is 27.3%. So it would be a wide receiver one. So you're at a quarter now, basically, to get a wide receiver one. One out of four first-round receivers will become a wide receiver one. Yep. That's also what's for what you're spending on them. If you're taking them at 102, 103, 104, Mike, you you only get a one out of four chance they're going to be a, a top 12 receiver. So this data, when I was looking at it, just this is the, the simple one, the easiest to explain. The data, when I was looking at it, is telling me just by hit rates, I'm much better off taking round two running backs who get the draft capital, a la Kenny Walker, over the wide receivers, because not only do I have a much better chance at hitting an elite ceiling of the top six, but even the floor of being just an RB2 and serviceable is still, you know, 25% plus more than one of these wide receivers, right? So the floor is even better. The ceiling's better and the floor is better. Yeah. And what really moves the needle in Dynasty is the running backs who can hit those elite seasons, right? Those top six, top five, top three seasons. That's what you're really striving for. Now, there are all wide receivers out there. Like we saw Cooper Cup last year scored in an, an insane level, historic level, right? And, and I would say Cooper Cup was a league winner for a lot of teams. Oh, certainly, certainly. But that would also be saying that the teams that had Jonathan Taylor, Jonathan Taylor's not a league winner for them. Right? I Both mean, can be true at the same time. Correct? Yeah, Jonathan Taylor was absolutely a league winner. I mean, yeah. he was – now, the cost of acquisition – whether you know you're talking redraft or dynasty was different, correct? correct. Massively, massively different, right? Cooper right. Cup is a you know fifth, sixth round startup pick at best. Yes, Jonathan Taylor was a first rounder. First that. round, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right, the acquisition cost, yes, but running backs, we can still agree that the elite ones do move the needle tend to more than the wide receivers, just because it seems like the wide receivers, especially the ones at the top. Other than maybe Devontae Adams is probably the only real consistent one from year to year that I can remember of recent memory because I remember Michael Thomas being wide receiver one and then injured and then last year didn't play at all, right? And now he's off the face of the earth. There was a time Juju Smith-Schuster was dynasty wide receiver one and now it's just he's had a little bit of a value resurgence being in Kansas City, but that cliff came fast. It kind of seems like these wide receiver ones continue to cycle where a lot of like the RB ones, the elite ones tend to stay up there for a little bit. Yep. All right. So this was the absolute basic data that I had. Okay. So the easiest one to digest. Now, some of these hit tables that I dove into a little bit further, a little more in depth, and we'll start with uh, Kenny Walker. Okay. So these are also hit rates. Okay. Same, same principles, how likely they are to have top six, Top 12, top 24, okay? Mm-hmm. Kenny Walker, I'll start. And the first one is top six hit rate by speed score and college dominator. So this is a table that JB had put together, okay? This is at the so, running back position. At the running back position, yep. So Kenny Walker, the third college dominator, was 50.2%. Pretty good. Very Pretty good. good, yeah. Speed score, 114.7. Kenny Walker, if you match those two items up on the table, his college dominator and his speed score, both those numbers you input him, historically 
going back to 2004. Now these tables go back to 2004. Historically, those running backs have a 66.7% hit rate of being a top six running back. Two out of three. Two out of three. Exactly. On the nose. On On the the nose. nose. (laughs) On the nose. Yes. Pretty damn good, right? If you just include those two numbers for Kenny Walker the third. Very, very good. Now, let's look at a guy like Drake London because there's also tables, hit rates for this guy too, okay? The first one I pulled up for, for Drake London is, let me get here. We have hit rate, top six hit rate by college yards per attempt. Oh, no, sorry. Top six hit rate for breakout age and draft capital. So the year they broke out, how old they were when they had a breakout season and what their draft capital was in the NFL. Yep. So Drake London obviously has a first round draft capital okay and he has an 18 year old breakout you can't get too much better than an 18 year old breakout if the table starts at less than 19 so drake london almost beat that by a full year drake london wide receivers of his type have a 17.6 percent hit rate of being top six now if we we look at the other numbers 41.2 percent of being top 12 and 58.8% of being top 24. So a relatively safe floor, but being that elite asset, it's still relatively unlikely just by the percentages and the numbers of him being top six. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a second table for Drake London that I wanted to look at. And this one includes uh, top six hit rate by breakout age and college dominator. So for those of you unfamiliar, I'm probably not the best one to explain dominator, but essentially the percentage of receiving yards yards and touchdowns that he had for his offense in college so his best dominator season plus his breakout age okay so if i look at it and i put drake london in that table he would score as a 25% chance to break out being a top 6 a 50% chance of being top 12 and a 50% chance of being top 24 so a little bit better on the high end right but 25% being top six, even if I take the most rosy number that I could get for Drake London, still doesn't even come close to the 66.7% that we were talking about with Kenny Walker, does it? No. Not even close. No. So when I was looking at this, I also wanted to factor in the other Kenny, right? Kenny Pickett. Don't forget about Mr. Pickett, the small hands. Yeah, the baby small hands. hands. The, the baby <laughs> hands, the only first-round quarterback to baby hands, Mike. So we got two really good tables here for quarterbacks. And quarterbacks is kind of a tough one. You know, historically, it's hard to figure out which quarterbacks are going to be good, even with round one draft capital. But we went through the hit rates of round one draft capital quarterbacks, right? It, it's went probably just, just just generic. It's probably the toughest to figure out. Like it, 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 position-wise, deciding who's going to be good and who's not is really hard. But we yeah. do have numbers to talk about who and why. So I plugged in Kenny Pickett, and one of it was QBR in 40. So his 40-yard dash time plus his QBR, right, the whole Konami code. With Kenny Pickett's numbers input into the table, with his QBR and his 40 testing, he has a top six hit rate of 20%. So still beating out a guy like Drake London at top six. Pretty good. (laughs) pretty good i mean if you're telling me mike for what the market tells us that kenny pickett's supposed to go in the first round of rookie drafts right 
which yeah. you're seeing the market's telling us right now. Now, this is obviously still a little bit of knee-jerk reactions, right? Because it's only been a few days since the draft is really finalized. Now, you're going to be listening to this on Friday, so it's a full week almost. But you're talking – there's there's people out there saying he's mid-round at best or even late round in round yeah. one, Mike. And you're telling yeah. me that pick that you take on Pickett has a 20% chance to be a top six quarterback. Now, let's even say that never happens. But that's that's the numbers tell you that it's a 20% chance to be a top six quarterback, which, Mike, we know the top six dynasty quarterbacks come off the board inside the top seven, eight picks, no matter yes. what. Yep, yep. There's a second table for Kenny Pickett where we can input a couple of different numbers, right, and see what he, what he comes out at hit okay. rate-wise. So this is top six hit rate by breakout age. So the year he broke out, which I thought would be relatively late. It actually isn't as late as we thought, according to Player Profiler, and his draft capital. So if I input Kenny Pickett's numbers, his breakout age and his draft capital into this table, his hit rate becomes top six, 25%. Nice, easy number, one out of four. Okay. And to be a top 12 quarterback, a QB1, 62.5%. Wow. Say that again, Mike. Say that again for the Dynasty Degenerates. One more time. Top six chance, 25%. And for Kenny Pickett, going by his draft capital and breakout age, top 12 quarterback, a QB1, 62.5% chance of him being a QB1 at one point in his career. Very good. Very, very good. good. Now... I did have some questions, so I just kept digging, right? I wanted to know some of the numbers of some of the other prospects, right? Maybe Drake London's not your top wide receiver. All right, well, let's look at Traylon Burks, Garrett Wilson. And I'm going to throw two more names into you because these guys, all four of them came out the exact same in hit rate when I look at draft capital and breakout age, okay? Traylon Burks, Garrett Wilson, Jahan Dotson, and Jamison Williams. Let's take, let's take the ride. Let's see what we got. All four of them have a 13.3% chance of being top six. of being top 12 and a 33.3% of being top 24. So this told me two things. One, you shouldn't be fucking considering any of these wide receivers over Drake London. (laughs) The numbers for Drake London are better. That should be the the easy thing to see there. The the layout, right? The easy layout. The second part is, is that, I still don't want a fucking wide receiver over any of the Kennys. I don't. Well, and, and and even digging a little bit deeper into that, Mike. What are the di- all right for the sequencing and cost based on the market right now? What is the difference? I want to utilize the fourth person you threw in there, Jahan yep. Dotson. Yep. His numbers directly correlated and directly next to Drake London. So, Dynasty Degenerates, you're not watching, you're listening. We're going to read those to you side by side. And then I want to get into, Mike, why this is another key reason why using a 102 on Drake London, which should be the wide receiver or any receiver for that matter, yep. is not the is not the value move. So compared to Drake London, if I go by draft capital and breakout age, Drake London has a 17.6% chance of being top six, while a guy like Jahan Dotson has a 13.3%. Okay. So a 4% right. difference of being yep. top six. Now, just being a wide receiver one, right? Top 12. Top 12. 41.2 for London, 26.7 for Dotson. Okay. So you're talking 40% versus, you know, a quarter, basically, yes. for Dotson. 
and being top 24, 58.8 for Drake London, 33.3% for John Dodson. So, so the big difference when you start reading those, Mike, to me is there's a there's a there's a safer floor with London, right? London has a better chance of staying in the wide receiver two discussion, where Dotson does not necessarily offer the wide receiver two security. But here's the difference: they offer almost the same percentage to get into the elite tier. Yes, but one is going to cost you 102, 103. 104, 104 at the, at the yeah. absolute latest. And honestly, Mike, I don't even think most drafts are, are going to see him go at 104. No. No, right? He's going to cost you 102 or 103. Let's be real. Yes. Dotson, who we have ranked higher than consensus, but just talking market values here, Mike, you can get him in the late first round. I've seen him you in the second round. You can get him in 110. <laughs> like, you can almost, you could be almost certain right now if you're in a rookie draft going on right this minute. That 108, 109 range, Jahan Dotson will be there. And you're talking a 4% difference in being a top six and a, you know, 25 versus 40% being a wide receiver one. Yeah. And the, co- the cost in those, those picks, Mike, when you think about what they cost in the startup, when we talk about 4D, right? What is a late first round now that 22 has shown us that it's not very good? What is that? equate to in a startup what what is that rookie pick worth versus everything else it's not high man it's really really not high what you're what you're spending is nothing for Jahan Dotson before we figured out that the rookie class was boo-boo and ass and broke our hearts we were thinking maybe the 22 would probably fall the late 22 first would probably fall in that like seventh eighth round range pretty consistently now that the twenty-two class is ass, man, are we talking ninth round? We're, I think we're. I think a one ten-ish pick. Yeah, you're right, one hundred percent right, Mike. I think that's a ninth round startup value, maybe. Hey, hell, Mike, you could be talking about a one ten, one eleven pick that's not even till the tenth. I'll give you a good one, right? Because I like to talk in actual player value sometimes. Okay? Sure. Yeah, of course. Uh, l- let's assume it's it's Christian Watson, right? We're not even going to okay. assume our love for Jahan Dotson, but Christian Watson's a guy we both have ranked lower, probably the last of the wide receivers in the first round, right? The right. Those guys. Right. Re- really, with this draft, kind of the last wide receiver you really want, unless you're David Beltruth or like you and I, and, and even you and I can admit, like, just take him at the end of the second round. <laughs> There's just a... We want to believe in David Bell, but we're willing to tell you that there's a lot of outs with David Bell, a lot of issues. So go ahead. The last good wide receiver in most people's minds, Christian Watson, and the last one people could get excited about. Right now, Adam, if I told you you could have Christian Watson or a guy like Chase Claypool, who would you rather have? I think I'll take Claypool, Mike. As shitty as that is to say, right? I don't want to succumb to the rookie fever. No. But look at where Chase Claypool was going before – we found out the class was ass in the ninth round. And even then people are like, meh, eh, it's a ninth round pick. <laughs> it's a ninth round pick. It's whatever. But that that's going to end up being where like a guy like Christian Watson goes when things finally settle down. Now I know there's going to be in the next two, three weeks. And if any of you are following along with the deco, I, I can't keep propping the man up enough, but he's showing massive graphs today about, Rookie fever and why like second round picks are still rising in the average draft position in startups, like the second round values, which is wild to me. 
because we know the class is ass, but apparently most people don't know the class is ass. So in startups, well, they're still reaching for the rookie fever. Well, and, and let's – that question should have been something that made you probably pause and think, right? I answered it fairly quickly. But Yeah, yeah. Dynasty Degenerates, if you're sitting here and you're thinking, what would I rather have and you're not sure, or even, even if you side Watson, the point is for the community, that's a trigger point, a discussion, right? That's about where – He's probably going to settle in at ADP, which shows it's a ninth round startup pick ish, right? That's the general consensus on him. So that's showing you where the class, the back end picks are really going to be valued. Where is Mike? A 102. When we talk about when, if you're going to spend 102 on Drake London, and listen, I'm, I don't want to make sure this is clear. I'm not sitting here telling you that Drake London will not be a top six wide receiver in Dynasty. What we're telling you is based on the numbers, that's what the percentages are. That he's got say it again, Mike. What are his top his top six? A twenty-five percent chance, right? Yeah. Yeah. If you look at the second table, if you look at the first table, it's even worse. So right. Now, one thing I want to preface. Actually, let me get to a couple more players of interest here. And then yeah. I'll, I'll I'll get to the the kind of I'm not gonna say like wrap it up, but let me put a nice bow on it for the, the people listening. But yeah, let's do it. Everyone's uh I'm not going to say everyone. Most people's favorite under-the-radar wide receivers that they keep hyping up, Sky Moore, right? Sky Moore, Kansas City, I'm seeing some wild shit on him too. His numbers, 11.1% top six, 16.7% top 12, and I don't have any numbers that fit for him on that table for top 24 because it's never been done. So either a guy like him busts or – he finishes top six or top 12 based on the tape. So, okay. Now one, I I hate to do this one because this one hurt my soul. And when I was talking to JB right before I left work today, just kind of about some of this stuff, one that that's going to make me question myself. It's going to make me question everything I am about who I am is Chris Olave. And you're not going to believe this shit when I plugged it in. Chris I'm Olave. I'm excited. You and I love to dunk on the man and not too inspiring. And it seems like a lot of people love to dunk on him, but he's also like just it seems kind of like a quick thing if you're in on a lot of it, right? And I've been like, I don't know what the fuck you guys see in this man. Right? There's a lot of warts on him. Okay. Chris Olave, when you plug his numbers into the table, comes out at 36.4% chance of being top six. 36.4%. Of being top six. I was fucking floored when I saw that. Now, is that because of the speed score? What, what exactly gives him the so, higher number? So this one is based on the first one that I plugged in, right? Because I, I ran both tables because I thought maybe the first one was dog shit. Okay. Right? And just an outlier. So I wanted to see both tables. The first one's breakout age in his draft capital. And you being an Ohio State fan, you know he broke out. Broke out early. Age, and yeah. he got the draft capital. Right? right. Okay. So I plug his numbers in. Very good. Very, very good. Now, if I plug his numbers into hit rate by breakout age and college dominator, I was like, oh, man, I hope I see a correction here, like a pretty significant one. Nope, 21.4%. Okay. <laughs> it's more reasonable, but yeah. yeah. Still coming out with better numbers than Drake London, surprisingly. Well, I think that's because of the early breakout age was going to be weighted pretty good for him versus yeah. most receivers, right? Because he broke yeah. out young. Yep. It's, it's also kind of weird, too, when I look at this. Now, this is what I'm going to kind of put a bow on it, too. 
right? So some of the tables, the way like the tables work and the data that's being pulled, sometimes you do have some discrepancies, right? So JB also has a dope ass average column. So I can look at each individual stat and see where they rank on it and what their average is for the entire position. Because when I'm talking like a guy like Alave, okay, we, we talked about you can't break out any earlier than a Drake London. Right? You can't break out any earlier than eight. Well, you could. 17.9, I guess, is Brian Edwards' record. Mr. Brian Edwards, the early, the early breakout wonder. Yeah. This is something also I talked to about JB, where he wants to kind of update these where the range is a little bit better and they kind of bleed over into each, each other. Because I will point out, it, you can't see it at home, but I'll try to explain it the best I could. Drake London, first part of the table, top left-hand corner, you have round one draft capital. Okay, the top column also then goes across left to right. Just visualize it in your mind. You listen at home, the breakout age. So it goes 19. The next column's 19 to 19 point nine or under 19. Then the next column's 19 to 19 point nine years old. Next column's 20, 20 point nine years old. Right. So just envision multiple columns and they just keep getting bigger. The the greater their breakout age. Drake London falls in that 17.6 percent chance because he has an under 19 breakout. But Chris Olave falls 36.4% chance to, to be a top six pick or a top six hit, hit yeah. at his position right. because he has a 19.1 breakout. And the next column over, for whatever reason, has a higher percentage of hits Got it. than the first column. Got so it. this is also another reason why I ran the second one, just to kind of get a good idea of where we fall in this. So right. uh, he, he actually has very good numbers, but the average, right? So if I just look at the average going across the board of round one wide receivers having a top six season, that's where we, we start. This one goes back to 2004, so the numbers are a little bit different than the first one I read going back to 2014, but it's 19.7%. And then if you just look at breakout age, the average for guys who break out under 19 10.7% and the guys who break out 19 to say 20 is 12.5%. So you can kind of separate those two in there, but it's still going to show, right. To put a whole bow on this. Yes. There are, if you look at specific metrics, individual ones, you may go, Holy shit. Chris Olave is kind of an outlier. Now I will be reevaluating Chris Olave based on this because of the numbers. So part of the reason that I wanted to do it is because we kicked off the show talking about our subjective ranks. Adam, we didn't look at data. We didn't pull hit tables when we made our ranks, right? You and I just got on, boom, boom, boom. Who do we like? Our various reasons. Those are subjective reasons. What do we think values are going to be? It was outside of, it was right after doing 17 hours of draft coverage and yes. you know, submitting what we believed. Now, one of the things I'm really trying to do for my process and how I look at players is I want to know if I'm lying to myself. So if I have a subjective rank based on film, feel, all the things that go into it, Adam, let me go to the numbers and let me see what the numbers say. Now, are the numbers telling me I'm a liar or are the numbers aligning with what I already believe? And if the numbers are telling me I'm a liar, like on Chris Olave, now I need to look even harder at why D dig why? into why and dig into is there something here that i'm yes really seeing or is this a yes. the numbers don't meet what i'm believing for myself and i need to adjust my ranks correct now in the case of the take of kenny walker and kenny pickett over drake london when i look at the numbers 
the numbers are telling me that I'm right, that I'm not off base in my take, that the numbers match up to actually what I believe is going to happen with the players. Now, I'm not saying it's a guaranteed certainty because nothing's certain in Dynasty. People taking Clyde Edwards-Hilaire a couple years ago thought they had a certain <laughs> certain hit, and now you're left with nothing, a dumpster fire. Okay, So things can happen. But the point is, in the process, right, it's, it's kind of like, like how the United States government is supposed to work, the system of checks and balances, right, where if the judicial branch does something, the legislative branch has the ability to overrule, that kind right. of thing, right, yep. and so on and so forth through all three branches. If my subjective takes are one thing, let me go look at the objective takes, the numbers, and see if they're going to overrule or make me question my subjective takes. So my entire process, our entire process, was founded on the belief that we're going to take multiple pieces from multiple people who we think are very smart and tapped in, and we're going to form our own opinion. Now, one way we can check it is by looking at hit rate tables. I mean, it's just a basic thing that you can pull up and go. Now, JB, when he gets his podcast going, will be able to tell you more in depth, like what ones really matter, what ones don't. But JB took the time to put these hit rate tables together and they're very in-depth and he put his takeaways on them on like what you're looking for. So this is information I trust coming from JB. So if I plug into two hit rate tables plus the original just by draft capital, where they went, and they're all telling me the same thing, and then my mind, my brain, my heart is telling me the same thing, I feel pretty solid in that take. So how do these numbers make you feel when we're going through them, Adam? Does it solidify kind of like me? Are you still kind of confused or do you have questions about them? No, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Honestly, I think the exercise is good because more often than not, I think the numbers will align with the the way we view things and the way the market tends to adjust to values. But I always think there's errors, right? And that's what these are good for. Finding out if we're in error, if the market's overvaluing, undervaluing players. And I think, Mike, part of the big thing for us is trading too, right? And when we talk about trading, a lot of that's based on understanding what the market values are on players and if it's too high, if it's too low. Truth be told, there, we're gonna, there's going to be times where we're right or wrong on that. But when you start thinking about that, for me at least anyway, the market may not be telling you that Kenneth Walker and Kenny Pickett are the 102 and 103, right? That being said, we just gave you a bunch of reasons why if push comes to shove. Now, we don't necessarily have – just because we have them ranked here doesn't mean we have to use the 102 or 103 on said player. That's how Correct. we rank them for us, our values, right? Doesn't mean you have to go burn 102 on Kenny Walker if you have 104 and you know you can wait till 104, right? That's knowing your league. But this is just us showing you what we think the values of the player and the chances of the player breaking into the elite threshold and why, especially at wide receiver, Mike, based on the numbers you gave us and how deep the position runs, we'd rather have Kenny Pickett. We'd rather have Kenneth Walker. You may, you may listen to this and say, even after all the numbers, I still don't buy into it, and that's okay. We just want to give you our process and why we're coming through with these at 102 and 103, and then Mike, we can talk to receivers too. Jahan Dotson was a good one. He, he was a good one. We're talking about potentially people taking Drake London at 102, and the numbers show 
I've shown going through this exercise with you that out of all the wide receivers, other than the aberration that is Chris Olave that I need to study more, but we'll just, we'll exclude him as an outlier. And I need to look more into it, talk with JB and, and figure out why. But as we look into it, we have shown that Drake London is the wide receiver one of this class. Correct. He has the numbers the highest, align with him. He has the highest percentage chance of booming amongst the wide receivers. And he also has the safest floor. Like right. that's a home run slam dunk pick at the wide receiver position. Just amongst the wide receivers, not talking picket, not talking yes. walk. If just Dynasty Degenerates, li- listening to all this, you should have at least whatever your process, whatever your ranks, whatever your thoughts are coming before this, you should leave here knowing Drake London is the wide receiver one in this class. No Not, question. No, no, no positions. Question. He's the wide receiver one in the class. It's Drake London. No question. He he needs to be considered as a tier of his own at the wide receiver position Correct. for this draft. Correct. There's, there's enough to separate him from the other guys. Now, if you look at the other guys, specifically Jahan Dotson, like I like Traylon Burks more than I like Jahan Dotson. We rank him. We both do. Right. And these numbers don't change it. But the thing you're talking about with value is if I'm going to miss out on a Drake London, because I, I'm not going to take him at 102, I might take, I'm going to take Kenny Walker, or Kenny Pickett, 102, 103. The guy at 104 is going to take Drake London. Exactly. Fine by me. Fine by me. Because the numbers, the fall off from a guy like Drake London to a guy like Jahan Dotson aren't that massive. Yes, I'm going to lose some. There's enough of a gap to put Drake London in a tier of his own. But I don't got to spend the 104, the 103, the 102 on Drake London when you and I both know from the drafts that we've been doing and seeing and the talk that we've seen, you might get Jahan Dotson at 110, 111, 112. Some of these crazy fucking drafts, he's going in the second round, which is absolutely wild to me. Flooring, honestly. You don't even have to own those picks, Adam, because you know what's with it? this cl- with this what's class being cost? shit. Yes, with this class being shit and people being down on it, to trade back up to the one eleven to get Jahan Dotson isn't going to cost you a lot. I mean, there are people out there that'll probably take Tony Pollard straight up for that pick and not even think twice about it. Yeah, not even hesitate. Here mm-hmm. you go. You take the one eleven. You have Jahan Dotson if that's the wide receiver that you covet, and I'll take Tony Pollard. And, Mike, when we talk about the four Ds, right, drafting and dealing, that is where I think especially it's hard for me to justify even thinking about taking London ahead of the two scarce position guys because I know in sequencing, if you're you're in one league, you may have a hard time saying, oh, man, I don't know if I can take Walker or Pickett because – the market says otherwise. But if you're in multiple leagues, you're going to have chances where there's multiple picks, right? You may have 102 and you have 110. You may have 102, 106, 108. You're going to have a bunch of different scenarios. And from a portfolio perspective, I know in sequencing, like without even talking about the dealing side, right? Trading up for, if you see an error and it's like, okay, Jahan Dotson's at 201. No one's going to value that. Then you go up and get him. Before I even get to that point, just in the drafting aspect, Mike, I will take the shot if I had a 102 and 103. Give me Pickett, give me Walker, and then my later picks. Yeah, maybe I miss London. Maybe I miss Burks. Maybe I miss Wilson. And, and 
Dynasty Degenerates, I'm not sitting here telling you I don't want shares of Wilson or Burks or, or London. That's not what I'm saying to you, but I would be more comfortable missing on that group of receiver, taking Walker, taking Pickett, and pairing him with my Dynasty team with a Dotson, with a even Sky Moore and, and Watson, Mike, later on, because mm-hmm. the hit rates are going to be more comparable and what I'm gaining or missing is so much different at running back and quarterback. Because, Mike, in this class, is another thing to talk about in 22, there's no one after Pickett. That's it. That's yeah. all you have at quarterback. It's your only shot. It's- and, 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 Mike, after Kenneth Walker, we, we're doing it again. We, what are you going to do? You, you want to reach up for James Cook? You, you want to reach up for all these other guys? Like, I don't want to. No. That's not what I want to do. The hit, the hit rates for those guys, I didn't dive into them like super deep and write down the numbers, but they're not good. And even a, even a guy that I like, like Isaiah Spiller, that we're talking ourselves into at the beginning of the second round, somewhere in there. Sure. The odds aren't that great, right? Not, we, not, we know the odds we know, aren't great for day three. We know the odds aren't that great. So here, I got the table. Let's do it. Let's look at let's look at the table. Dynasty Degenerate strap in. We got more tables. Let's go. <laughs> more tables, right? So he was a round four pick. Okay. His percentage of being a top six, top six finish at the running back position. Isaiah, Isaiah Spiller. Any yeah. round four running back. Any yeah. Tyler Algier, Isaiah Spiller, uh Zamir White. Um TDP went in the third round, didn't he? Yeah, so he did. That'll be a uh, different conversation. But I'm trying to think of all the round four running backs. There was a shit ton of them. Uh, I think Ty Chandler might have been around five. Guy. He was fifth, yeah. Fifth, okay. Well, let's just – the ones that stick out, okay? Zamir yeah, White. just use those. Isaiah Spiller and uh, uh, Damian Pierce. Yeah, let me forget. Damian Pierce. Forget. Uh, don't forget the kid out of South Dakota State. Pierre Strong. Pierre yes. Strong. Yeah, okay. So these round four running backs, their percent – of hitting a top six season, Adam, what do you want to guess how bad it is? All right, read that one more time because this is going to be low. So this is round four running backs. Okay. So this is going to be – Top six of the position? A top six season at the running back position. What percent chance do you think they hit that? Two percent? Three percent? It's a good guess, buddy. 2.9%. <laughs> I'll take it, man. I'll take it. No dynasty deterrence. I have not seen the table. You have not seen the table. Wanted to keep it a secret. Okay. It gets better at top 12. What do you think that percentage chance is to be an RB1? What is 8%? 8.6%. You're good. At Let's this, go. Man. All right. Top 24 running back. Just an RB2. This gets. This is going to get a lot. Um... Somewhere around like 30. 17.1%. All right, not quite as big. All okay. right, 17. Round five is pretty similar numbers, right? So we're just kind of early day three guys, right? We'll just kind of factor them in. Uh, there's some variables in here where like some of the positions in round five have a little higher percent than round four, but I'm not going to take that into account, right? Generally, the better draft capital is going to be the telling sign, but the odds aren't very good. So, we, so, what, so for round we were, four guys, you're talking – a two to three percent chance that they're a hit at top six. Yeah, you're yeah. talking a less than ten percent chance they are a top twelve. Yeah, you're talking a, a less than twenty percent chance that they are even a top twenty four ever. Yeah, so yeah. It, it's it's grim, right? Yeah, uh, think about 
we kind of had this conversation about Isaiah Spiller before the draft when we were talking about when do we start to worry about him, right? Round two, round three, hands up in round four. But you know, like, people were just kind of like hoping for day two capital. And, and day two capital is much better than day three capital. Let, let's is. not get that. It let's is. not get that twisted. Right. But one of the things just to keep in mind is there is a fall off from round two to round three. So if you're a big Rashad White guy, right, if, if you're a big Rashad White guy, the numbers are much better than round four, but they're not as good as round two, right? So but I'm that, not. But that's the thing. It's you're still betting on a sli- those numbers slightly juiced. It's not like you're betting on something that's great. Well, that has great I, odds. I, I'm not going to say slightly juiced because I think that's kind of underselling. So we'll go through them here. Real yeah, let's do it. Top six. Hit rate nineteen point two percent, so much better than so. You, so that that's that's a uh, quite a bit different. Yes, uh, top twelve hit hit rate twenty six point nine percent. So again, much better, and then a fifty three point eight percent chance of them being an RB two top twenty four. So they actually are still in the game. <laughs> okay, yeah, they are they, still, and in we the and game. we know that right. Day day two running backs have a very good chance. Yes, just period. Not, not as good, near as good as the round, round one and round, round two, two running guys, backs. Right. Yeah. But round just one being round a day two, two yeah. running back does give you a different, totally different leg to stand on than a day three guy. So if I just look at round one and round two running backs, their percentages for being a top 24 running back are pretty similar, right? It's a it's a three and four chance, 75%. Okay. Yeah. It's going to um, happen. You got a, a discrepancy there between the top 12 for whatever reason. 66.7% for round one guys. 36.8 for round two. And then obviously top six, like if you go in round one at a running back position, you got over a 58.3% chance of being a top six player at your position at some point. Wow. Right. Yeah. That's pretty wild to me. Pretty good. Yeah. So <laughs> keep that in mind, especially now with like the transition. So this is going back to 2014. So you got quite a few like round one guys in there, but as we kind of transition to this new NFL where, round one running backs are kind of becoming a, a thing of the past, like yeah. a rarity. Right. It, it, I'm telling you, man, if a running back goes in round one, you need to perk the fuck up, pay attention, and go like, I need to do whatever I can to get this guy on my if team. You miss, I don't care who it is. If you miss – listen, there is a miss opportunity still with those guys. You may get Penny. You may, get, you may get Clyde Edwards. Clyde Edwards a layer. But <laughs> for those misses, you will get the absolute – Opposite, which is just a slam dunk home run at round one running backs. Very high floors, right? So you're still going to have the 25% miss. That's going to include like the Petty, the CEH, the right. uh, Sony Michelle. Sony right? Michelle, yes. Right? It's going to include those guys. But more likely than not, you're getting a Najee. You're getting a you're Christian getting, McCaffrey. Yeah, a, Christian McCaffrey. You know, yeah. the, the, the absolute, absolute studs. The guys that are round one startup picks for a few seasons. Even think of the guys with like the the later career resurgence, right? I, I think at one point people were thinking Leonard Fournette was a bust. What do you do last year? <laughs> right? Yeah. So sometimes it takes a little patience, but eventually it does come around. But all that to show went through all of this, right? If I start with the most basic, just on draft capital, okay? What's their draft capital? The hit rates for quarterbacks and running backs respective round one quarterbacks round two running backs what we're arguing about much better position aside feelings about seattle aside feelings about kenny pickett's baby hands aside much better than the wide receivers if i got any even more in depth and starting putting multiple 
analytic data points on it, it's still much better. <laughs> it just yes. continues that trend. So this is why, this is why, like, this is a long-winded way of saying when, when we ranked yes. Kenny Walker two and we ranked Kenny Pickett three, it was for a good fucking reason. Yes. Right. It was for a good reason. And the numbers are backing up what we're saying. Now, I understand with some people out there, their affinity for wide receivers and, and yeah. they feel the safety of the floor. I will point out, and we have talked about multiple times at nauseum, the bad things that happen to you if you take a wide receiver and he busts. The absolute atrocious value you're going to be able to recoup next year, if at all, is not going to be great. No. No. If it's, a guy it's like, going to be opposite of the great. It's going to be bad. If a guy like Kenny Walker or Kenny Pickett have a bad year, not up to par, you'll still be able to get out of them for some reasonable draft capital where you'll have an opportunity to recoup some of the value loss. So, and, and, I, and Mike, let me say this too, before we get out of here, because this, this, what, what I'm about to touch on here, I think it's something to keep in mind, Dynasty Generation. And I think Mike, we can possibly roll this into next episode or a future episode. And that is, okay, why, why are we in particular on these two guys? Kenny, the Kennys, the Kennys of the world, the right? Kenny's. Kenny Walker. Why are we so, so wanting to push them down the rookie, the rookie class board that's not very good, Mike? And, and I start thinking about this. And it's actually interesting because it's the opposite for both guys, but they're both being pushed down. Like Kenny Pickett, as far as landing spot, you'd be hard pressed to tell me there's a better landing spot for Kenny Pickett. No. Yeah. I mean, I. For a, for a team that was desperate for quarterback and was fantasy friendly, I, I, I guess I can't, I, you, who can you argue better than Pittsburgh, Mike? I, you know, maybe if like Josh Allen got suspended for the rest of his life. <laughs> okay, okay. Buffalo had to outside take of a uh, video <laughs> game insane scenario, you know? a logical landing spot. It was very Josh hard Allen to find. gets released on someone's franchise mode. I mean, a yeah. logical landing spot. It was very hard to find one who was quarterback needy better than Pittsburgh. Now and, and they add I, weapons after him in the draft. I will have like I don't know how much of this is just fucking DJ Moore love, but Carolina was a very enticing landing spot outside and, of the fact that I think Matt Rule is a fucking idiot. Yeah. And uh really fucking that franchise up. But <laughs> but, but, okay. but the weapons the weapons there were very, Fair. very enticing. So and, and yes. I, I'll I'll say to your point like could you maybe argue there's a landing spot that's sure. also good? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But to argue that there's one that's clearly better than Pittsburgh, yeah. there's no way. No. No. But we're I pushing mean, him. We're pushing him down the board, Mike. When like, we know it's a great landing spot. Like outcomes for Kenny Pickett couldn't have went better. He's the only round one quarterback. Yes. He went to a good landing spot, and there's weapons everywhere. We're I, pushing uh... him way down the board. Now, now, real quick, to the opposite side of Kenny Pickett, what's interesting is Kenneth Walker's being pushed down the board because we kind of believed in the player, the prospect, but it's we don't like Seattle. He he's not going to get passing work in Seattle. They don't have a quarterback. The team's going to suck. Now this is a different discussion, but it's the complete opposite. And then, Mike, Dynasty Degenerates, will we learn to not do this at the running back position? You talked about Ceh. Will we ever learn as a community? No. When a prospect that we like gets early day two capital. 
that stop stop overselling the landing spot, Mike. Like this is this is a key yeah. thing. Think about DeAndre Swift. Think about so many guys that we said, ah, this landing spot sucks. Yeah. Why are we sitting here in 22 in a class that sucks, Mike, having the same discussion? Like yeah. I, I beg Dynasty Degenerates, I know you can't talk to me, but someone please help me answer this question for me. When will we learn on this front? Like this one irks me a little bit because I don't know when we learn that stop overselling the landing spot for a prospect at the running back position and, and the draft capital that we like. When do we learn? I, uh, I kind of, man, it's the landing spot thing is so interesting, right? Because we talk about not doing it every year and then the we do it every year. And then we do it. <laughs> at, Adam, for me, like landing spot does matter. So I'm not going to be like one of these people who go out there and say like, Oh, it doesn't matter at all. It should I matter say, a touch. I will say this. This is exactly my point, Adam. It it matters a touch. So if I have prospect A and prospect B, and the numbers are good on both of them, I like both players pre-draft. They both got similar draft capital. The landing spot will be the tiebreaker. Sure. It, It will be. I'm coming down to the most minute things I can think of to be like, shit. You know, uh, if, if Brees Hall and Kenny Walker were literally 1A and 1B tied, elite profiles, and say Kenny Walker caught passes, okay? And Brees Hall goes to a good landing spot. One, I think, is maybe better, a little bit better in the Jets, let's say. And Kenny Walker ends up in Seattle. Very similar draft capital. Yes, I will use the landing spot as like, fuck it, I got nothing else to like separate myself on who I take here. But that's where I will go with, with landing Within spot. slight movement and reason, tinkering, we'll call it. I, I don't have any quarrel with that. It, it's it's more about like Seattle basically kills him. Like that's, yeah. it, it's insane to me. I would say this, Adam, when we're looking at our wide receivers, right? So just our, our wide receiver ranks, we have the same situation littered throughout the back part of our rankings, right? So Think about Pickens, Alave, Skymore, Christian Watson. Think of those four guys, Adam. All of them have round two draft capital, okay? Uh, other than Alave. Alave has one, round one. We'll take him out, right? So let's just focus on Pickens, Skymore, and Christian Watson. Sure. We have them all similarly ranked. What are some of the deciding factors in how we adjust those minor ranks? Because if somebody took Skymore above Pickens, okay, I get it. If somebody wants to take the tantalizing upside of Christian Watson and his athletic ability paired with Aaron Rodgers over a Pickens or a Sky Moore, I get it. I, I'm not recommending I'm not doing it. I hear you. But I understand why. Yeah. Like, these guys are all very similar. But when we rank them, right, we put Pickens ahead of all those guys. And what was one of the things that we put Pickens ahead for? Right? Landing spot. But not because we think he's going to step in day one, but because – Pittsburgh has a history of just being right on fucking wide receivers. Yep. Right. So if we have them all equal going into the draft, all very close, I'm going to side with the guy that I'm like, Jesus, I'm talking myself into George Pickens because Pittsburgh, fuck, they draft wide receivers. Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, Juju, Antonio Brown. They know what the fuck they're doing when it comes to drafting wide receivers. I'm in. If they and, like George Pickens in the second round, I like George Pickens. It, in the it second wasn't round. round two, but everyone said Chase Claypool's done. There's no yeah. way he's going to be worth anything. And what happened? Yeah. There was a rise in ADP, whether you yeah. believe in him still to this day or not. And all that's agreed, Mike. I'm with you on that. But to me, it's like, what pushes Kenny Walker down every time if you go to anybody 
and they're telling you why they're Seattle. not in, so it's Seattle. It's it's only Seattle, and that's my problem, Mike, is it's not just, okay, Seattle was the tiebreaker, but I, if you told me you didn't like the prospect, that's a different discussion. Everybody that says it, it's because of Seattle only, and that's where it's like, how can you give it that much merit? Listen, some people will tell you that it's because of Seattle and he doesn't catch passes, okay? Yes. But just a week ago, it didn't seem to matter for most people in their pre-NFL draft ranking that he didn't catch fucking passes. Well, and Mike, this is this this is the last thing I'll say before we get out of here, is we like to also, on the opposite side, right? Seattle does not work for us. Our, we don't... As a community, people will say that Seattle is not the landing spot. But then we overestimate other landing spots. We did this with, with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, right? Yes. See, the K- KC is this great running back landing spot. Now we say that, oh, it turns out we just judged the landing spot wrong. It wasn't actually good for running backs. It's There was Kelsey and Hill and yeah. Patrick Mahomes. What, what what Mike, this is the other question I have to say. If he goes to, let's say, Buffalo and, and – Dynasty Degenerates, I want to caution you on James Cook at cost because of this, right? Yes. We we could very well be overestimating and and completely neglecting the fact that Josh Allen is not going to go anywhere when it comes to goal line work, right? Yeah. Aside from all the James Cook's differences, right? Yeah. Josh Allen may – he may also scramble. He may not want to throw the ball to running backs all that much. Like – we, we assume all these great things in the Bills offense where if Kenneth Walker went there, we may be talking him into a totally different stratosphere. So my caution to you, and please, I'm, I'm begging that we learn from this exercise after a certain point is do not over or underestimate the landing spot. For sure. For sure. If you, if you didn't like the guy pre-NFL draft, and they got projected draft capital, and they didn't slip like Isaiah Spiller, you know, a guy we love, then why push him up, right? Why, why, why push him up based on landing spot? And, and conversely with Kenneth Walker, if you like the guy pre-NFL draft and he got the draft capital, why knock him down because of landing spot? Now, I get it, Adam. If there was Isaiah Spiller went round two. Right. If he went round two, we're not having this fucking discussion Correct. Like, we might still be having the discussion that all right, do I take Kenny Pickett or Kenny Walker at three? Right. Yes. But if I if Isaiah Spiller got round two draft capital, I don't give a fuck where it went, what landing spot it is. I liked I, Isaiah Spiller more than Kenny Walker. Yeah. Right. So he, it's, would be, it's... he would be 102 in my rankings. And if he got round, I'm, I'm shitting you not, if he got round two draft capital, I would be having a serious conversation with myself on Brees Hall at, right. at 101. But I, I get the point. And Dynasty Degenerates, a huge thing, right? The, the biggest takeaway, the biggest takeaway from the whole thing, the whole show, is Adam and I, when we're preaching running backs over wide receivers, this is why. The data that I pulled and dove into like a crazy man today at work instead of doing my real fucking job, because I was I was highly interested in what it told me. Am I, am I right? Am I wrong? Am I crazy? Do I need to reevaluate some people like Chris Olave, like, holy shit, what am I doing with my life? And, and the data told me, no, you're right. Like, take Brees Hall 101, take Kenny Walker 102, take Kenny Pickett 103, and if you wanted to flop two and three because you needed a quarterback, Pickett's a, Pickett's a fine bet and super flex. He's pretty much your only choice. And then, like Adam said, is subjectively, right, besides data, besides draft capital, 
let's stop focusing on the landing spot so much. I get it if you want to use it as a tiebreaker between equal prospects. Like if you have London and Burks dead on and you like the Atlanta landing spot more than you like the Tennessee one, then take London. But if you're if you like the Tennessee landing spot with him being the de facto only fucking receiving weapon on that offense, then take Traylon Burks. But don't use it as a as a tool to be like, oh, I gotta put Kenny Walker at eight now because yeah. of Seattle. Like fuck out of here and, with and, the that is that is the way to put it, Mike. Is it if you had a prospect similarly graded, like you, you, you believe in prospects similarly, they get similar draft capital, and you want to use the landing spot as a tiebreaker, fine. Yeah. But if you're going much beyond that realm to move players based on landing spot way too far up or down, we we know from experience already it's a bad process process. So don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and also those people out there who are still taking Malik Willis in the top 10, please fucking stop. Please. We know we were wrong. D- d- don't, don't do it. it. Just don't. Listen, man, I saw a ranking service today that has him as a top 10 Superflex rookie. A ranking service I respect. And I was like, what the fuck is going on, man? So how about, how about hit rates for round three quarterbacks? Oh no! Don't, uh, don't, don't Adam. Well, this is easy. Top six zero. I was going to twelve zero. zero. <laughs> there is there is hope. One round four quarterback has finished top six, and I bet you can name him. Uh, Dak. Yes, that's it. Back to 2014. The only one to actually fucking hit is Dak Prescott. So if you think Malik Willis is Dak Prescott, I guess go ahead. But I'm going to tell you right now, you don't have to take him at ten. You know, if you want to take him at 203, 204, go ahead. Don't take him at 10. And, and Mike, if you want to bet that he's the – Jalen Hurts was round two, though. But if you want to bet on the Jalen Hurts thing, yeah, it's a back-end second-round pick then. Like, yeah. mid-second mid would be – I could not even give any advice that has any type of real backing of my own that says anywhere near – Mid second is about as early as I could even talk myself into debating it. If I'm being honest, man. Yeah, understandable. Of uh, all the quarterbacks who finished top six, right? Top six going back to 2014. Ninety percent of them come from the first round. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, let's just let's just say if you're not a first round quarterback, you probably don't fucking matter. Now, I, I get it from the perspective of you know more in depth show. Maybe you take him with the 203 or the 204, and the minute he fucking starts or shows something just good, bank on value and just bump. Yeah, yeah, kick him off Fair. the team and move on. But I mean, if you're taking him at 10, like, what the fuck are we doing, people? There, 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 there's, there's actually good prospects with good draft capital that have, like Mike said on these tables, good opportunities to be at minimum a wide receiver two or whatever. Yeah. You're, you're passing on those for. The horrible hit rates of Malik Willis. So just don't do that, please. Don't do that. I mean, you're you're in Ohio. You remember the uh, Cincinnati Red legend Adam Dunn? Yeah. Like you're you're swinging harder than that. Man. <laughs> <laughs> like you are. You are swinging out of your cleats, cleats, man. You are about to come out your cleats. Fall uh, over and swinging. Adam, that's all I had. Uh, I wanted to dive into the numbers again. I can't stress how much of a thank you and a big shout out it is to JV uh, putting these together having this database up there where I can just freely, you know, sitting at work going, man, I'm bored out of my fucking mind. Let me look up hit rates, <laughs> but how cool it is. And for him to put all of this together, 
hit up that Patreon, man. Get in there, tap in. If you didn't get enough of us over over the weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, streaming ourselves on our channel there for seven and a half fucking hours, and you want more of this, right? You know, go check out patreon.com forward slash all gas, get you in Destination Devi, get you in with JB, me, Adam, Brandon, the whole gang over there, Gene, Ike, Ben Eby. I'm sure there's probably somebody. We got, hey, we got a nice little lineup over there. We we got a squad. We got yeah, a squad. we got a squad, man. It's a goon squad over there, DD. And if you just want more one-on-one time with Adam, we do have our own Patreon. Hit it up, patreon.com forward slash South Harmon. One dollar gets you in the door, get you in the Discord. Sniff around for a month for a buck and see if you like it. And if you want to stay, we'd love to have you. And if you want to go after uh, your months up, no hard feelings, man. We just appreciate you giving us an opportunity we feel confident in ourselves and in our abilities to get things right, to refine our process, to not get overweight next year on and, fucking quarterback class if it's a and, and sh- sh- shitheads. Let me say this, Dynasty Degenerates, whichever one you are, if you do come to us, we we will admit that we may have. If you over overdid it on the twenty two class and you need help cleaning it up, yeah. we will give you cleaning up that mess. We we deserve we deserve. You deserve to at least get that from us. Hey, there's still fish out there who are going to take Malik at 110, so we can get you out of this, I <laughs> we can, promise. We can, help. we can help take you out of the mud, man. Absolutely. Well, as always, we appreciate you tapping in, giving us your time, listening through this whole thing. Can't stress enough how much this weekend meant with all the outpouring of support, how many people tapped in and watched, all the comments, the fucking super chats, making us do shots. You guys are absolutely fucking incredible. Uh, the best community, hands down, in the space. Bar I, I, I Bar can't none. stress it enough. It, it is amazing. You, the audience, make this all happen. So, from the Absolutely. bottom of my heart, thank you. It was an incredible weekend and one that I'll never forget. Adam, never, you know I'll what never to do forget now. it, man. It, it was it was so fun. That was that'll be a memorable thing for the rest of my life. That that opportunity, the ability to chop it up with all the DD team and have everybody in there watching the audience, the greatest community that is in the dynasty fantasy space. And I'd argue fantasy space period, Mike, it was all there watching. It was a lot of fun. Like Mike said, if you want more from us, patreon.com forward slash South Harmon. If you want to get these great tables, patreon.com forward slash all gas. And if not, please remember we'll be coming back every single week, one hour to give you the best we got once a week. Just remember when your league mates are playing chess, play 40 chess. That's going to do it for us. We're out of here. Peace. Peace.